This is a Farm and Garden Show with your hosts Michael Foley and Sarah Grusky. This show was pre-recorded on Tuesday, March 21st, 2023, and we'll be talking about medicinal herbs today, growing, wildcrafting, preparing, and getting them out to our community so people may care for themselves. But now, I'm going to turn this over to Sarah. Hello. So here we are on the Farm and Garden Show and talking about full circle herbalism, uh, the mobile apothecary project, and encouraging everybody to grow a row of herbs. We're here today with some amazing herbalists, Donna Deterra with the Motherland Botanical Sanctuary, and Autumn Whitaker from Bramble Mountain Farm, and the Mendocino Community Wellness Collective. And all of us have been involved with the Mendocino County Herb Guild and the Mobile Apothecary Project. So lots going on. The big picture for today is integrating local food and local medicine because we are here on the Farm and Garden Show. And just like local food, growing and wildcrafting and learning how to use the bounty of plant medicine is so essential to our good health to local sustainability and self-sufficiency, and to the overall strength and resilience of our community. So uh, spring is percolating, and we want to encourage all of the farmers and gardeners out there to grow some medicinals. And we will talk, Donna, in particular, we'll talk more about the Grow Grow a Row uh, campaign. So let's start with you, Donna. Would you share with us the basic concept of, of full circle herbalism? And, uh, and why this is so important? Well, good to be with you all, and thanks for the opportunity. So, full circle botanical medicine. Uh, I think a good place to start would be to define what we mean by botanical medicine. And in this case, it includes plants, of course, but also trees and lichen and seaweed and mushrooms, all of which we have in abundance here. Uh, so the vision for full circle botanical medicine is that as much as possible, every aspect of this medicine is locally sourced and used. So that's from the raw materials to the clinics and the clinicians. Every aspect of that coming from a local place. And as we talk today about what this might look like, I want to invite anyone and, and everyone who is listening to see if there's some part of this endeavor that you'd like to be part of. Uh, maybe it's something you've already done or something you would like to learn how to do. And then we'll be giving some contact information at the end of the show if you want to be involved. So as Sarah said, here we are at the beginning of spring and it's time to plant seeds. In our full circle, the gardeners would be planting seeds that have been sourced locally. And we have a couple of uh, really great local seed businesses. Um, so the plants are grown out and then sold as plant starts to the home gardeners and the farmers who tend the plants until it's time to harvest. And they can be sold as dried herbs uh, to our local natural food stores, like, for example, Mariposa, Corners of the Mouth, Ukai Co-op, and so on. And all of these stores, what they sell now is dried herbs that come mostly from other countries, come from a long ways away. And these harvested herbs can also be sold to local medicine makers who make the tinctures and the oils and capsules, all of their medicines. 
And these herbalists ideally are making their medicines using organic alcohol sourced from local wineries and distilleries. That is a long-time vision uh, that's been here for a long time, and possibly oil from the olive trees in Anderson Valley. Again, everything locally sourced. Then they're selling their medicine products to local outlets, to the clinics, and so on. And this is a quick overview of the cultivation aspect, but you also asked me um, why is this important. And I guess my answer would be, how much time do we have? <laughs> because <laughs> this could be a lengthy discussion, but I'll, I'll just mention a few reasons. Uh, so the natural food stores, as I mentioned, almost all of their raw herbs come from one of the big wholesale suppliers, Star West Botanicals, Frontier Herbs, Mountain Rose, uh, some good companies. I purchased herbs from the, these sources myself. But if you look at their catalogs, you will see that about 75% of the herbs for sale are from very far away, Croatia, China, India, Egypt, and so on. And that is a long ways away to source your herbs. Um, once we factor in the true embodied cost of getting these herbs from across the ocean into our stores, once that's part of the equation of what they cost, they're going to be very, very expensive herbs indeed. And another factor, which um, I learned not long ago, is these barges uh, that carry goods across the seas, not just herbs, but all goods, they're considered uh, the ninth largest polluters in the world. So there's, it's problematic. Um, we don't know how long these herbs have been sitting in warehouses and storage rooms. So it's a, it's a question of quality. And then I'll mention just one more thing. Uh, I'm going to borrow a, a French word from the world of wine, and that is terroir. And that means, that refers to the influence that the water and the soil and even insects have on the quality and taste of the wine. And there is a terroir of the botanical medicines that we grow in our gardens as well and that grow all around us. And that also influences the medicine. So to sum up for here, um, there are so many reasons to source our herbs locally. Superior quality of medicine, it could provide jobs, encourage businesses, and uh, for us in the herbal world, it definitely creates community. Thank you, Donna, for that uh, deep introduction as to 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 localizing our our herbs. And I want to add one more thing because we are so blessed in Northern California and, and in our little spot here in Mendocino County with such diversity um, of ecosystems. And culturally, uh, we want to recognize the indigenous herbal wisdom of the Pomo and Miwok and Yurok and all the other uh, wisdom uh, locally coming right from here in plant medicine, the Latino and Latina cultures. And uh, there's such diversity of plants. And so there's just so much wealth and richness right here that uh, uh, we, we barely, uh, you know, oftentimes begin to know sometimes because it's so easy to uh, punch a button and order it <laughs> from somewhere else. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for grounding us in 
our local place and the wealth and diversity of our plant medicine here. Um, so maybe uh, you've uh, begun, uh, I think, in terms of full circle herbalism, Donna, with with cultivation. And uh, let's take another step into that because uh, it is spring, and I would love to hear from from Autumn and Donna as well. What what are you most excited about growing, or what do you see as you uh, look out? Um, we we just uh, see so much abundance of chickweed right out our window here. <laughs> it's almost a foot tall out there. Um, oh. So let's talk about what what uh, has this uh, bountiful year of rain that's also meant a lot of suffering for people as well in terms of flooding and landslides, um, but is also uh, has the flip side of um, an abundance of green out there. So what are you guys excited about, uh, botanically speaking, right now? <laughs> Autumn. Okay. Well, thank you for having me, Michael and Sarah, and hi to Donna. It's fun to be with you all here. I'm really excited about this show. Um, yeah, with all the abundant rain, we definitely are going to see some <laughs> wild growth coming on quick. And right now I'm looking out in my garden and it's just overrun already with cleavers and chickweed. Like you mentioned, dandelion is popping up with a few blooms here and there already. Yellow dock is showing its head. The wild violets are coming out. So... It's kind of an incredible um, salad for the picking already. Um, and that's what the land's offering. And then you asked about what, what I'm feeling excited about growing this year. Yes. In particular, herb, herbal-wise, um, one that's near and dear to my heart, which you know, Sarah, um, is Aurelia, California spikenard. And I'm giving giving it a third go this year. It's a It's a... <laughs> local plant and it's very hard to cultivate and it's hard to find as well, but it's so important for lung health with, you know, the viruses we see now and um, chronic lung illnesses. So it's worth the effort and I've got some good babies going in this year. So <laughs> fingers crossed. And it loves water. It it's often found it. along creek sides. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it likes, um, fresh flowing water, which makes it a little bit more particular and difficult to cultivate in the home garden. So I'm trying to fabricate, you know, a make-believe setup for it. But um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm growing faux tea this year. Donna mentioned, you know, the problems with bringing herbs from overseas and faux tea is a Chinese herb and it's, it's a beloved herb in, in traditional Chinese medicine used for um, liver health and kidney health and heart problems and kind of what they call quote unquote anti-aging, you know, when vitality is, is starting to be lost. It's, it's an amazing, well-rounded herb. So I've used it in my practice for years and I've got my hands on some, some babies that I'm going to encourage to become part of our scene here. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Donna? What's, uh, what's just peeking its heads out or growing abundantly mm. on your land and, uh, what are you planning to cultivate? Mm. Well, uh, 
there's not a lot peeking out because we had uh, two feet of snow here <laughs> until, uh, until just a few days ago. But I have been excited to be in the greenhouse, and I've started uh, flats of maybe 10 different herbs um, that I'll be planting out, alicapane, echinacea, uh, valerian, boneset, uh, motherwort, a few others. And one that I'm particularly excited about because it's a new herb in this garden is uh, Biden's Pelosa. And I learned about it from a local plant person and researcher, Bill Bruno, and he wrote a book about uh, herbs that we can grow that come from India, most of them, like the Sita and the Biden's, that are antimicrobial and can be used in infections where there's an antibiotic resistance. So this seems like a, a, a good experiment this year to see what happens with, with the Bidens and whether it's happy here. Um, I also want to mention something that I did last year with my neighbors that was really fun and rewarding. And uh, there were four or five different people who each of us made an herbal infused oil from a plant in our garden. We used yarrow, St. John's wort. Uh, plantain and hmm, calendula. We each made an oil, and then we brought, came together and made it into a salve by adding beeswax and put it into tins. Some of them went to the food bank. Some are going to be for the mobile apothecary, and then we each ended up with a few to give away to family and friends. And everyone that I've given it to has given it rave reviews, and it was such a, a delightful thing to do together. So hope to do that again. That is a lovely, beautiful community project. Yeah. I'm just going to break in here a moment to remind everybody that you're listening to the Farm and Garden show with noted herbalist Donna DeTerra and Autumn Whitaker. And this, of course, is KZYX and Z, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. All right, so let's continue here with um, some of the herbs that uh, are out there. I just wanted to mention this time of year, uh, except if you're still under a couple of feet of snow, we do have this incredible, uh, at least down here in the valley, <clears throat> here in Mendocino County, we just have uh, cleavers and uh, tons of chickweed and Miner's lettuce and uh, mm. violets. Uh, and I'm naming those four because I think they're spectacular to make a green juice that is so mm. rejuvenating, um, full of chlorophyll and minerals and uh, all kinds of vitamins and things that, that uh, tonify the blood and uh, help our body metabolism. Uh, so I highly, I highly uh, recommend um, going out and just pulling those greens and throwing them in your blender and uh, mixing them with a juice if that makes it easier to go down. It is so good. It reminds me of uh, when I was a kid and I read Laura Ingalls Wilder mm -hmm. and she told her kids to just follow the cow and eat whatever the cow is eating with your, <laughs> exactly. for your fresh greens in the spring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I recommend that. I do that with my we goats. We have the goats, yeah. <laughs> we follow the goats and we eat whatever they eat. 
<laughs> yeah, it's true. It's the cleansing time and all the animals are going out and, and wanting to shake off that winter sledge that we carry. And mm. those herbs that you listed are such a good, gentle, nourishing way to get that blood and lymph moving. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it's just all there waiting for us. All right. Well, um, well, we're on the topic of cultivating. Um, I mentioned in the beginning uh, another great idea that Donna is pushing forward here. Um, grow a row of herbs. Uh, do you want to tell us a little more about that, Donna? Well, yeah, yeah, I sure will. It is in the embryo stages. And again, I just want to invite anyone who thinks they'd like to be a part of that to to contact us because it is going to be a, a community event. And the idea is that anyone who has a garden uh, grows a particular herb. It doesn't have to be a row. It could even be a few of them. And those herbs will be earmarked for the mobile apothecary. Mm. And hopefully if we get along this path, There'll be some guidance from herbalists about how to grow the herb and how to tend it over the year, how to harvest it. And then the medicine makers can step in and take those herbs and make them into a form, teas or tinctures, whatever, that can be used in our communities. It's really that simple. It is really very simple. And I'm sure there's so many uh, gardeners and farmers out there already that have integrated medicinal herbs into mm -hmm. uh, what they what they do each year for their family and friends and community, and uh, maybe this is a good segue into talking about the Mobile Apothecary Project uh, and how we get all of this good plant medicine out to people. Autumn, do you want to give us a little overview about that? Yeah, sure. So. Um... The Mobile Apothecary is a project that's a long time in the making, I feel, and um, I think officially launched by the Mendocino Herb Guild, and they've put a lot of effort into, you know, seeing it born over the years and a lot of fundraising, which I know Donna and several other members of the community have really put their their work behind. Um, it, it dropped out for a while and, and was, was put on the shelf, and... Um, Sarah and I and some other local herbalists and acupuncturists and nurses kind of started to brew up again um, the concept um, independently at first and then realized, wow, this whole body of work is is with the guild already. And, and so we joined forces and, and are reviving this project. And in essence, it, you know, it, it's what it says. It's a it's a mobile apothecary. It's a mobile clinic that can move throughout the county and um, post up in communities where they may not have ready access to herbs, herbal medicine, and um, herbalists. Um, we can we can join up, and I've talked about joining up with programs like Our Daily Bread. And being able to reach, you know, those elements of community going um, further out, maybe setting up with um, other gatherings, community offerings that we can pair with and make herbal medicine more accessible to people to make it low cost or no cost um, and to offer many um, 
different um, arms of herbal medicine, whether it's, you know, treatment plans and, and consulting and, and tonics and herbal medicine, or, you know, can you sit with an acupuncture, um, even a body worker. Um, so that's, that's really the essence of it. And um, we have a little little mobile apothecary actually in the works the the trailer is is being rehabbed as we speak yeah so the trailer was donated by jenny reynolds and uh and then uh worked on by tina tedeschi just to name all of the people so many that have made this this possible um and uh, her partner has put a lot of carpentry work into renovating it uh it looks pretty good right now. We've seen some pictures oh, yeah. of its progress, and uh, it will uh, be uh, um, making its debut, hopefully, at uh, uh, a health fair on uh, April 30th at the Grange, at the Little Lake Grange in Willits. Um, and... Well, we're just really excited about this project and how it can help to build uh, um, that piece of of local herbalism of of not only cultivating and making the medicine, but but actually making it accessible and available um, in an easy, uh, free or low cost way to people. So very excited about this and uh Everyone will hear more about where it's going to be as uh, spring and summer um, start to open up and we're having more outdoor community events. Mm-hmm. So look for that mobile yeah. herbal apothecary. Yeah. We'll be cruising mm-hmm. the county before long. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we want to definitely get out to Covalo. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, Leightonville we've talked Leightonville. about. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, another possibility that has been discussed for the mobile clinic is to go to uh, shelters when mm-hmm. during fire season where people are sheltering yes. and uh, to go be educational, to go to school events or festivals. The potential is uh, wide open there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. true. So true. Okay. Well, um, so... We've talked about um, uh, pieces of, of the full circle herbalism that include cultivation, clinics, um, and apothecaries to get the herbs out. Um, a little bit about education, uh, but maybe there's more to say about education. Does anyone um, uh, have some educational programs to announce in the herbal <laughs> field of things for spring and summer upcoming? Donna, you must. Uh, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we are so fortunate to have uh, so many people bringing things to our community. I wanted to underline something you said earlier, Sarah, about the spring wellness market. That's at the Little Lake Grange on April 30th. And Claudia Wenning, do you have her uh, email address or... Any, any information on that? At any rate, it will be a day of geez, health practitioners, uh, herbalists, uh, all manner of things uh, to connect with people who are making products or at, offering services, and it promises to be a, a great start to, to the spring season. 
Uh, I don't, I'm afraid I don't have her. Yes, we're just looking up here. Claudia's contact information. Okay. Um, yeah. It's uh, yeah. her email, I believe. Uh, um, her name is Claudia, C L A U D I A Wenning, W E N I N G. And I think that uh, her email is, is Claudia Wenning at Gmail. Dot com. That's We're going to confirm that yeah, in that a minute. Sounds a little familiar. Yeah, and then uh, that's—I believe that it's uh, March 30th is the last uh, cutoff point to be uh, a vendor if you're interested. But mm-hmm. invite everyone is invited. I don't think there is a uh, cost to to come in. It's a free event, and there'll be a lot of offerings there. And yeah. then just a couple. A couple of weeks later, there's the Gleaners plant sale, and that's also in Willits. And really, a, just a bounty of vegetable starts and flowers and herbs. Many, many, many plants to get your garden going. Uh, on It's usually the Sunday after Mother's Day. Does that sound right? The weekend after Mother's Day on mm-hmm. a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention also, if I can, a couple more. Uh, Karen Uphoff on the coast is just a very fine herbalist and clinician, and she is offering classes. And her contact information is Karen Uphoff, that's K-A-R-I-N-U-P-H-O-F-F at Gmail, uh, has all, a number of classes going on. Uh, and then I'll also mention Motherland, where I live. We are going to be offering various things this year, and you could check the website, which is Motherland Herbs, that's plural, MotherlandHerbs.org. And while we're on the announcement uh, here, uh, we should also mention the uh, Mendocino County Herb Guild. Uh, you can go to their website, um, and uh, and if you want to check in with different programs, uh, want to volunteer um, with the Herb Guild, uh, you can email info at mendoherbguild.com. Or become a supporting member. <laughs> Absolutely. And I believe, become a supporting member. All I right. believe it's uh, Mendocino Herb Guild. You have to spell that out. Info at mendocinoherbguild.com. All right. Well, uh, so in Full Circle Herbalism, we've talked a little about uh, education, cultivation, clinics, apothecaries, and one other category is herb exchange, which we haven't talked about too much, um, which is a more formal uh, mechanism for us to get this bounty uh, that everyone is going to grow more and more and wildcraft um, uh, to the people who need it um, and who want to make medicine with it um, or want to use it. And so one proposal that's in the works is to do a simple uh, uh, herb exchange uh, type mailing list, just like the Mendo BB list. Uh, so we're going to try to get this together for this season um, and so if you, if you're growing, um, uh, a lot of, um, 
Let's see what would be a good one. Biden's Pelosa, uh, an amazing herbal antimicrobial that Donna was talking about. If you're growing a lot of Biden's Pelosa more than you or your family um, can make use of, you can post <clears throat> um, on the at the Mendo Herb Exchange, which we're going to send up, uh, set up soon, that uh, you have <clears throat> an extra 10 pounds of Biden's Pelosa uh, that's available um for sale or barter or exchange or free. Um, so this way we can uh, have a way to get all those herbs out. I know so many herbalists were in the situation where we, we work very hard, but we, we end up wasting things. It mm. just sat in that drying room too long because we didn't know who to take it to or who to give it to or couldn't get it out in time. Or so, like the Bidens, it, it really takes hold. So <laughs> you do end up with a lot more than you expected. Yes, it is a common weed that we're so fortunate to have, Biden's Pelosa. Um, so through the Herb Exchange, uh, hopefully we will we'll have a more formal mechanism to um, make sure that the herbs get out in a timely way. I just want to... Remind our listeners once again that this is the Farm and Garden Show, and Sarah is speaking with Donna DeTerra and Autumn Whitaker about herbalism, growing, wildcrafting, um, etc. in Mendocino County. And this is KZYX at 90.7 FM in Philo, KZYZ. Well, it's in Ukiah at 91.5 FM, Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, and streaming on the web at kzyx.org. All right. Well, uh, one area that we haven't uh, delved in too deeply is uh, um, responsible wildcrafting. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I think that's a important topic to touch upon uh, because we do live in an area of a lot of abundance, but we also live in a time where many things are over-harvested and many plants are endangered or at risk in different ways. So how do we uh, um, wildcraft in a responsible way? And... I think here I'd like to start with giving credit to one of my herb teachers, Howie Brownstein, um, from uh, the Columbines uh, Botanical School in Eugene. And he would take us out wildcrafting um, and always start with a few rules um, uh, when we find uh, a really beautiful stand. And his, his favorite herb, of course, was Oregon grape root, so... Mm-hmm find a stand of Oregon grapefruit, but we would have to keep walking and walking until we found the biggest and most abundant stand of Oregon grapefruit. Um, and then we'd have to look carefully at that stand and see, you know, how we, what we could give back to it. How could we harvest it um, in a way that would have the least impact on it? Um, and uh, since we were harvesting the roots um, and they were roots that, uh, connected to other plants, we would harvest just a piece of a root and then rebury it, bury it again, um, so it continued growing. Um, and sometimes the giving back part can be, uh, you know, coming 
later in a season when the plants have formed seeds and helping to spread that stand um, or coming and visiting that stand and bringing some water during the, you know, the heat of, of, of the summer. Um, uh, so um, there's just a few thoughts there about, uh, uh, about, sort of bringing that personal relationship between us and, and the plants um, into wild crafting. And, and, uh, um, and I think that, that that's probably the main uh, aspect that in my own uh, work as an herbalist that I treasure so much is, is the relationship with those plants and, and going back and visiting them um, and seeing how they're doing. Autumn? Yeah, um, to add to that, because we go back to, you know, those good teachers that we had. And, um, you know, you're saying to, to make this per personal relationship. And one of my earliest teachers um, had the practice to slow your body to really, you know, we get on this foraging, searching mode, you know, <laughs> and, and once you find a stand that you feel good with, but to slow your body down and really be with the place and the plants. And, you know, she would talk about making a personal offering before you even started, whether that was just a few breaths or, you know, we had these herb songs we would sing or, you know, if you wanted to offer up a little bit of the lunch you brought and bury it, you know, close by the stand or something. But it's true that slowing down, you know, helps you to um, get a little past the excitement of finding what you were looking for, connect with the space and the moment. And um, and rules of thumb, like you said, one that was always important was to take less than a third and, and leave two-thirds or more, you know. And I think about the things that you mentioned um, plants may be struggling with, and the climate crisis mm -hmm. comes to mind because I have watched really abundant stands struggle and weaken over these last um, couple decades yes. from from the climate crisis. And so then, you know, you really have to think about what's appropriate in those situations and if that stand can actually, you know, hold harvesting at this point. So, yes. yeah, there's a lot to consider. It's a, it's a delicate journey. It is, mm -hmm. and I think probably more than, than ever since... We live, as you say, in such a time of ecological disruption. Yeah. Um, to evaluate those things is, is so important and so challenging. Yeah. Well, Donna, do you have something you'd like to, to add to this conversation in, in the wild crafting area? Mm, yes, I think I would just underline a couple of things that you both said, all really very good suggestions. Um, one is that when you're leaving someplace that you have wildcrafted that you've taken from, do just pause and look. Does it look as if you've never been there? Mm -hmm. Can you leave it just like you found it? There's not big holes or divots where you've dug something up or broken branches. And to to tend it, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, see if you can maybe if there's something invasive that's starting to encroach that you can remove Uh and the other would be just simply to go back to the same stands uh, repeatedly, you know, year after year, so you have a sense of them. Mm -hmm. Because if they're in the wild, it's very possible that other people are harvesting from there as well. 
And if you're just taking a third or a fourth or whatever it is, and someone else comes takes a third and a fourth and so on. So it is a lesson that we can take from the indigenous people who, as the book say, attended this place like a garden. Mm-hmm. And uh, just keep an eye on it and see how we can help, with, for example, with all of your good suggestions. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Donna. Yeah. I think it is a uh, a really uh, a moment that embodies all of the contradictions that uh, we face in the natural world with extreme weather uh, and and climate disruption because uh, we've had a winter uh, with so much rain and so many people have suffered the flooding and the landslides are just being trapped, uh, um, you know, in so many feet of snow. Uh, and then um, we're now moving into, to, I think, what's going to be the flip side of that. I mean, our, our earth has been so disrupted that it's been hard in many places for the water to actually absorb into the water table. There's a lot of runoff causing these floods. But also it has absorbed. And so, you know, things are just vibrating with, with, uh, life and, and, um, energy right now, um, as it warms up and as things have been so drenched, uh, with water after so many years of drought. So it's just, uh, an amazing moment. I feel it embodies the, the contradictions, um, that, uh, we live in um, as we as we move through uh, the realities of climate change. So, Sarah, being being the farmer that I am, I'd be really interested in having all of you talk more about cultivating herbs. I mean, my sense is that they're very hard to germinate. They're very hard to grow out. They're, they can be delicate or they can be invasive. It's, there's a lot of variation. Um, so if you guys could talk about the challenges and solutions, um, that would be great. All right, Michael, thank you for that opener. <laughs> Who would like to take that up? Um, I, I can start. Um all of the above, Michael, all the things you said are true at the same time. You know, there's some herbs, like I mentioned, like with the California spike nard, that um, are, are very hard to cultivate. And, you know, I just keep going for it each year. And um, others that really grab hold, some of which, you know, which I found, um, Donna mentioned starting Bidens this year, and I've been growing Bidens for a couple of years now, I don't have to replant it. It, you know, definitely is a weed and reseeds in my garden. Um, so, you know, the cultivation is different. I have a notebook that probably looks like chaos to people, but it is just, you know, lists and paragraph after paragraph of all the herbs I am going to attempt to grow or plan to grow and then what they require and what their challenges might be. And, you know, do they need some kind of stratification before I you know, attempt it and some do and they need a lot and some might not germinate for a month or more. So, um, it, it's a passion and a challenge. Um, and then figuring out 
you know, very, very different um, growing environments that they want. So you've got your one garden or your, you know, small plot of land and you're trying to to duplicate these very different climates and different corners of your plot Mm -hmm. to foster different herbs. All right. So I have to ask you, Autumn, (laughs) did you stratify your, your, your Aurelia, California spikenard? You know, I, when I did seed, so I did seed a a few years ago and, um, I soaked it, Uh but I didn't do anything. I didn't do cold stratification or anything. Um, and you guys might explain what stratification is. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's helping the my understanding. You know, Michael's probably got a, a much more well rounded version, but um, is you're helping the you're kind of assimilating what the herb would go through naturally in the world. So you know, if it's something that needs to go through the digestive system of a bird or an animal, and it's gonna it's gonna get roughed up or or whatnot, or something that needs to sit in the ground through a cold period before um, it can crack its its shell. So you're you're assisting the seed in what it would normally go through in the natural world in order to give it a better leg up when you plant it. So maybe a dormancy period. Mm-hmm. Older dormancy yeah. period. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Some of which, you know, like chaseberry is one mm-hmm. that I put in my freezer for a while before mm-hmm. I I plant it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Anything to add on that definition of stratify? No, this is great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Our resident farmer. I know. <laughs> Slash scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Donna, did you I, have... I just wanted to point out that I asked that question because I'm, you know, I'm dealing mostly with these really tame, tamed for century seeds that yeah. just, they just wake up. There's a few that don't, like parsley, but carrots, but <laughs> mostly they just, they just go and they've been bred so long that they mm-hmm. go all at once. Yeah. And it, it's fine. There's no yeah. no muss, no fuss. They're ready. They don't have to yeah, be coaxed exactly. out. <laughs> no, I think that's true in the herbal world, too. There are some herbs that are so easy to start from seed, calendula, for example. And then there are some that um, really want some coaxing. And I wanted to mention that one place to start when you're trying to figure out what to grow in your garden is or if you have a particular plant, is where does it grow natively? Mm-hmm. Where is its natural home? And then trying to duplicate that as much as possible. There's uh, great information out there. And I'll give an example. I wanted to try Yerba Manza. And this is a plant that grows in the southwest along the rivers in marshy areas in full sun. And I have full sun, but not marshy areas. So mm-hmm. I ended up moving it three times over the years until mm-hmm. it found its spot. Mm-hmm. I gave it extra water, and now I uh, I can hardly contain it. It's found its <laughs> its niche. So just researching, as Autumn said, uh, where does this plant come from? Is it uh, on the cliffs in Italy above the ocean like rosemary, uh, where it's misty and wet winters and hot summers, or is it marshmallow? That even the name tells you that it it likes to grow in a marshy area, so that's a good starting point. Yeah. Yes, I 
I guess my uh, experience on starting herbs, uh, medicinal herbs, is that uh, I just start lots and lots and lots of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the and, yes, yes. And, uh, and, and don't expect, you know, if I have a tray of, of 100, maybe 30 will poke their noses out, and that's really wonderful. Um, so mm-hmm. in the way... In some ways, it's a different uh, expectation than we have with with some of the vegetables that have been cultivated for so long. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt one last time to remind you that you're listening to the Farm and Garden Show. We're talking about growing herbs, among other things. And this, of course, is KZYXNZ, listener-sponsored radio. All right. Well, uh, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I think uh, where I would like to end it uh, is to do one more round of uh, the herb that is really uh, exciting um, you this year, uh, be it uh, something that you are growing or or uh, something in the wild that you have a relationship with as you're watching. Mm-hmm. So let me just open up that question to Autumn and Donna. <laughs> I've mentioned that uh, we have a native Angelica here uh-huh. uh, where I live in the hills northeast of Willits, and it's called uh, An- uh, Angelica Arguta, and it is uh, a perennial. Most of the cultivated angelicas are a biennial. They just live two years. Mm. And I have a a plant I've been watching and connecting with for 30-plus years here and collecting seed and trying to scatter the seed for the plant. And as I figure, it's it's pretty old at this point. It's probably uh, 50, 60 years old, this plant. Wow. And I just got some of the seeds to sprout, which is... So exciting. Oh, my and goodness. I, yeah, I don't know if they'll make it to the ground and so forth. I mean, it is a wild plant, and sometimes they have their own ideas about where and how they're going to grow. But it, it's been a fun adventure trying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the use of Angelica? Uh, well, in... In the native traditions, Angelica was considered bear medicine because the bears, who actually will be coming out of hibernation um, pretty soon here, would dig it up, uh, the Angelicas and the Oshas and some of those really potent antimicrobial roots, and they'd chew it up and spit it all over their fur to eliminate some of the parasites wow. that that uh, climbed on board while they were partially hibernating. Uh, but for us, it would be, uh, it, it has a number of uses as an antimicrobial, as a, as a, uh, stomach tonic. I have not used this plant, this particular species as medicine because it hasn't felt right to dig the plant. Um, if I, if I'm successful in starting seed, I'd, in the seeds that I've started, and if they grow, then then I'll feel okay digging that root. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. yes, that's very wise. Well, thank you for that uh, uh, 
sharing that relationship that you have with this amazing angelica plant. Yeah, and that's mm, similar. That's similar to the spikenard, where you know it takes so long for the root to be of a substantial size, where you feel okay harvesting it, whether in the wild or your garden. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's the the time and the patience, which is such a beautiful thing. You really do have a relationship with the plant. Um, another plant that I'm excited about growing this year and anxious about growing um, is bacon skullcap, which um, is a really potent antiviral that that has come more and more on the scene since um, the COVID-19 virus hit and um, the amazing, um, no longer with us, Stephen Buhner, um, had so much to say about it in the use of COVID treatment. And I personally used it and I didn't, um, have the means, you know, I didn't have seed to cultivate it when the virus came out, but I did, um, order it, which was hard to get my hands on and came from far away and was expensive. So I'm now trying to, to cultivate that one in my garden. And I feel like it's an important one that it's going to, prove to be, you know, so useful in our coming times and that we should have access to it locally. Mm-hmm. And it's bagel skullcap. It's different than um, the skullcap we hear about and that we make, you know, yummy, relaxing teas from Scutellaria. So this is a very different plant. And um, yeah, I, I hope it will will work out for me. <laughs> I do too. That's exciting. Yeah. It is a very beautiful plant. Um, one of our local herbalist prana uh, has been also growing by called skullcap, or some people call it Chinese skullcap. Um, it is a lovely plant mm. with these sort of long ovate leaves and these delicate blue flowers. Um, uh, I was able to germinate a few last year and, uh, <clears throat> and also was gifted uh, from prana a couple but they just were not happy. So yeah. I have yet to really learn enough about this plant to provide it um, uh, with the ecosystem it's needing. Um, but it is such an important plant for all of the the viruses that uh, are here and coming in the future. So yeah. we should all learn more about it. Yes, and I, I this will be my second go around trying to grow it. So <laughs> I did struggle the first time in figuring out what this plant wanted, um, oh, well, and it wasn't Autumn, successful. You, go ahead, Autumn, When you fig- when you figure that out, would you let me know? Because I've tried to grow it myself with starts from prana, and, uh, and, and they were not happy. Yeah. Yes. I absolutely will, Donna. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I owe you for the um, arnica that's made it to my garden from oh, you, good. from other hands. Yes. <laughs> May the circle ever widen. Absolutely. The <laughs> trades are on. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a truly wonderful and illuminating conversation, and I hope it's sparking all of our listeners out there with excitement about growing medicinal herbs. Um, and uh, the Grateful Gleaners have a uh, a plant sale coming up. Uh, and the, Does anyone have the date for that? Um, I'm sorry, I didn't get that information. But just keep your eyes out. The Grateful Gleaners uh, 
will be having their plant sale in the next month or two, I believe. Donna mentioned the the Sunday after yeah. Mother's Day. Is the Sunday typical. after I, Mother's Day is typical. I, I think it's the weekend after Mother's Day on a okay. Sunday. Okay. Uh, and I'd like to offer up my email. If there's anyone who's listened to this um, discussion about full circle herbalism and thinks you'd like to jump in and get involved, uh, you're welcome to contact me, and that's motherlandherbs at pacific.net. Thank you. Do you want to give a contact? Let me back up. I, I, I misspoke there. It's motherland at pacific.net. <laughs> yeah. Motherland at Pacific.net. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Autumn, do you have a contact that you would like to leave? Yeah, I have an email which, which people are welcome to contact me at if they want to talk herbs or, or anything. I do see, you know, clients regularly and work within the community. And, um, yeah, I love to talk shop. <laughs> um, Autumn. A-U-T-U-M-N, like the season, Grace, G-R-A-C-E, Rose, R-O-S-E, at gmail.com. It's a good. Thank you. All right. Uh, I will make one more announcement that's a general announcement um, that uh, we will be having a program at Green Uprising Farm uh, called Eight Weeks of Summer Abundance. Um, and we're hoping that a lot of uh, herbalists will join us there and um, and we'll have uh, a table, um, uh, a garbling table, as we say in herbalism, which is processing the herbs. So if you need help uh, um, processing the herbs, that's separating out the, the part that um, is going to be used for medicine, the flower or the leaf from the stem or the other parts that aren't going to be used for medicine. Um, and it's really fun to do that, uh, standing around a table with a bunch of people eating good food. Um, so we will have a garbling table uh, at eight weeks of summer abundance. And um, uh, we invite you all to join us. I was so hoping it was going to happen again this year. It's a blast for for anybody that finds their way just to be with community around plants and food and, you know, what we grow and bringing that together. So thank you guys. Oh, we, we love hosting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been wonderful. All right. Well, it looks like we are wrapping up the hour here. And so I want to thank our amazing guests, uh, Donna Deterra with the Motherland Botanical Quarry and Autumn Whitaker from Bramble Mountain Farm and uh, the Mendocino Community Wellness Collective. So thank you both so much for joining us and uh, getting us all excited about herbalism and the season to come. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was mm. a great time. Thanks for, the, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. The Farm and Garden Show comes to you the first and third Thursdays of the month, hosted by Elizabeth Archer, and the fourth Thursday, hosted by yours truly, Michael Foley, and Sarah Grusky. That's Thursday afternoons, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. You can find Farm and Garden Shows on the KZYX Jukebox for a couple of weeks after they first air, and on KZYX Public Affairs Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great week.
This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening. Well, there's just a few things.